Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Have you ever been for a health assessment or a detailed physical examination? In this bite-sized episode, Dr. Tom Buckley and I talk about what is measured in our human performance assessment or what we call the HPAX and why this is a really good process to undertake. We talk about how a human performance assessment is all about increasing or enhancing performance rather than preventing disease, which a lot of other health assessments are focused on. We also talk about the topic of biohacking and how this can cause problems when done incorrectly. Oh, if you want to get me peeved, use the word biohacking. But we also look at its core, that there is a solid base of data and measuring that data, which can be used to improve your health. It's just making sure the data you use has the right implications and is done in the right way. Enjoy this bite-sized edition. I like how you've added that because for a long time we've worked on self-awareness and we'll get into self-regulation too, totally two different things. Self-awareness, we often say in coaching psychology is knowing what to do. Self-regulation is actually doing it. But that situational awareness moves from me to we. That's really important. And how we measure this is one way is our human performance assessment. So if we have a high net worth individual, a CEO, a founder of a startup, or just a high performer in general come to us and say they want to do a coaching program, majority of them will do a human performance assessment. Now on that, we do online assessments, we do our match fit calculator, we do our work fit calculator. Match fit calculator looks at body and brain, so a holistic approach to optimizing performance. Work fit, there's 168 hours in a week. How do you optimize that and how do you connect with what's important? But then you go deep, you get a full blood pathology and we also do a 48 hour HRV. So it's specific to self and I suppose adding situational awareness, what do you look for in that human performance assessment with clients? Well, what I try to do is to map the individual's state at a particular time. And so it will be emotional, psychological, behavioral risk factors, uh, but also look at their pathology and sometimes I'll look at DNA profile as well. Um, sometimes do a, a DEXA scan, whole body imaging to, to, to be able to come back to the individual and say, okay, this is what you look like to me right now, or this is what you're both telling me about yourself, but also here's what the objective data is showing where you're at now. And that for most clients is absolutely something they don't get elsewhere. You know, it's not a assessment to see if your cholesterol is up, although that is one thing we look at. It is an assessment to look at all your physiology, what are the main physiological pathways, what do they look like right now, and then to look at how is that associated with how you're feeling, what you're doing, and where you're trying to go. Because I think an important part of performance intelligence isn't just knowing where you are now, it's actually then using that information to transition to where you want to go. Um, and for some people, that's living to 100. For other people, it's actually about their emotional well-being. For others, it's their physical well-being. For other people, it's relationships. So the performance intelligence is about tailoring that to where the individual's life goals are moving forward. And I love picking up the conversation after you've done a human performance assessment with one of our high performers or a aspirational high performer. And they start playing back stuff like, I had no idea I meant to get 10,000 steps every day. I had no idea I meant to get 10 minutes of sunshine on a bright day or 30 minutes on a cloudy day. 
do you know how much difference it's making to my energy pathways not drinking coffee first thing and pushing it back 90 minutes? I had this conversation with that client I referenced before this morning. He's in a totally different state. And he said to me, uh, he's one of our international clients who's had a health assessment, an executive health assessment for the last 15 plus years. He said, why have I not been given any of this stuff in the executive health assessments? And you know, I will disclose I am a co-founder of Executive Health Solutions, uh, Australia's largest executive health assessment provider, still uh, a part owner in that, not actively involved day to day. I think that's really important. This is what I explained to our client this morning, Tom. That's good more from a risk management point of view to make sure there's no disease or markers showing future expression of disease. But what we do on a human performance assessment is really look at what are the metrics to, to live the life by and what are the levers you need to pull to optimise performance. Whereas an EHA is more around disease risk we're looking at performance optimization. Anything you want to add on the difference between the two? Because I get that a lot. In fact, we need to write something on this to give to clients in the future. I'll pick that up with you offline. Yeah, look, there's a gray zone in the middle here between the two, and there should be, because the question always is, when we're doing a human performance assessment, we are looking at psychological, emotional, physiological, and behavioral factors. There are factors associated with performance, there are factors associated with well-being, but many of them are also risk factors for future diseases. When we do a health assessment, when you go to your general practitioner and you have a health assessment or you have it through your workplace, through an executive health assessment, the screening there is looking for pathologies. It's looking for things that signs of pathological disease process evolving. Now, in the middle is a gray zone. My interest in the performance assessment is to come back to the client and to be able to get them to understand their physiology, to understand where their levels are, and then what are the things that influence that, which really leads to the next part of performance intelligence, which is really around skill development and application of those skills to what it is they're trying to achieve. In the medical world, you would never you would never start to implement anything without having done a thorough assessment. But what we see in society today, and particularly with a, 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 a lot of the sort of hacking type movement. Is oh, hang on, timestamp wizard. How far are we into the podcast? <laughs> the good doctor has mentioned biohacking. I, I, I was going to fire you up at the start, actually. I said this to Thomas. I Watch this. I'll, I'll drop the word biohacking. But <laughs> I, I didn't want to throw you off because I know you go down a rabbit hole. Oh, God, I see this. That. Can I, can I jump in first? <laughs> I've just jumped in. Oh, you've, um, jumped, you've jumped in, so keep yeah. going. <laughs> so the quantified self-movement, there's some good stuff in that. So let, let me go through some of the stuff that Dr. Tom and I collectively think is useful. So quantified self, I'll lead on this, mate, and you can add. But that started because I've done the research on this. It was life logging back in 2007 in Wired magazine. Gary, Gary Wolf and Kevin Kelly first spoke about this concept of the quantified self-movement. So collecting data, including food, you can look at air quality, mood, skin, conduct, skin conductance, and all this around you know, your physiology and your state. I think there's some really good stuff around the quantified self-movement. Yeah. The second thing I want to add to the conversation, 
I told you I was going to hijack this, is wearable <laughs> tech. You can now measure heart rate, daily steps, respiration, calories, sleep time, fatigue, changes in blood profile, insulin levels, ketones, cognitive function. What have I missed? And we know the wearable tech market is increasing at least 15 to 20% a year, and it's now a multi-billion dollars. In fact, two years ago, it was noted as a $60 billion US industry. So it's massive. Now, I wear my watch and I get 12,000 steps a day. I measure sleep. We measure HRV. So with those two things, Tom, there is some really good stuff and some rigor and data from quantified self-movement and wearable tech. Do you want to add to that? I don't know if I want to add to that, but I'll elaborate a little bit on some of the things you said. In many ways, I really love people measuring because if you measure things, you become aware of things. So it's not about not doing it. Where I think it gets risky is that you get a lot of non-qualified health professionals giving health advice based on what worked for them. You're so diplomatic. I could see your brain ticking and, over. Well, well, well I'm, not a, I'm not an anti-biohacker, I am, but I do shiver and I do get really worried. And I'll give you a good example of this. There was a, a, a person I used to cycle a lot with who used to go on social media and, and had a massive following. And his whole message was around rubbishing sun cream. And so, you know, he had picked up one aspect of one study and then he was trying to make a career out of it. And when I tried to have a reasonable conversation with him around the mass evidence and the scientific evidence and the pros and cons, because for everything, there is risk and benefit to everything we do when it comes to our well-being and health. When you try to have a conversation around the risk part versus the benefit part, he would get so emotional. And that, to me, is dangerous because you're influencing people with, with sort of pseudoscience or selective pseudoscience. Now, I'm not saying all biohackers do that. Don't get me wrong. He has potential danger because no human being responds in the same way to different interventions. If we come back to performance intelligence, which what we're talking about here is applying some intelligence to what skills are right for you and then how you use those skills to shift state. Now, whether it's shifting your physiology, whether it's shifting your psychological state, whether it's shifting your behaviors, it's all based on assessment tailored interventions, developing the right skills, and of course, a good mix of behavioral change, um, science into how you go about doing that. It's not go to Google and here, buy this particular product. Uh, Andrew, you, you, know, you know, we ran some workshops recently to um, over 900 participants on wearable tech. And the biggest message I got from that, and this was a young audience, was that they were measuring things, but they had no idea what they meant. They had no idea how to use that data. Performance intelligence is actually knowing what data to measure for you, which might be different to me, and how to apply that to you. And heart rate variability is a really good example of that. You know, I, I have clients who come to me and say, my heart rate variability is 40, is that good? I mean, there are so many questions I need to ask before I even, and I, I try not to answer the good thing, because it's an individual measurement, depends on which variable of heart rate variability you're measuring, depends on when you measure it, depends on the what situation, and it depends on how you define good. The biohacking movement doesn't strip it back to that personalized level, and it doesn't necessarily tailor it to the individual. Now, there may be biohackers who do that, but as a general principle, that's not what we call performance intelligence. 
Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence. Thank you.